0: and if you disagree with anything we talk about, you are a racist and no better than Hitler. What? Let's get started.
1: Welcome back to the Like How Dysfunction podcast. I'm Ashton Cohen. I'm Ashton Cohen. Very pleased to be joined today by one of my favorite commentators uh, about money, economics, and Bitcoin. His name is Jeff Booth. Jeff is an entrepreneur and author of the excellent new book, The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. Jeff, thanks so much for uh, being with me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh so your book obviously the the title is very apt right now. When did you start writing it by the way? I uh, wrote it
2: in 2018 2019 okay. released it in January of 20 just before kind of covid and and Money, money printing going off the charts and everything else. So very
1: prescient, book, Obviously, then
2: <laughs> um, it, it, uh, people say that. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, yeah. You know, obviously, we're seeing you know, record inflation in the United States. Um, you know, the official numbers have it as, as the most in forty years. Obviously, they've changed the CPI since the last time we had such record levels of inflation. So it may be very well the highest um, ever. Um, and and you see Americans are thinking about particularly, I think, in my age group. Inflation was not something anyone really ever thought about, and not in the United States, at least. Obviously, in Argentina, in Latin America, and so many parts of, of Asia, this is something that people have had to grapple with. In America, we've largely been insulated from some of those consequences. And we know, all know that what we're experiencing right now is, is horrible, uh, and we don't like it. But we've also always been told uh, that by, let's say, the Federal Reserve— who's maintained a 2% inflation rate. You know, we, we've always been told that, you know, a little bit of inflation is good for society, it's good for the economy, it keeps things going. Um, all the really smart people, PhDs have told us that uh, even this most recent bout of inflation, we, we were told originally was good for us. <laughs> um, so what's wrong with that argument that, that, you know, at the very least, at least a little bit of inflation is good and we should be targeting for that. And in addition, the more money we print and we, we spend, that, that makes us richer. What's wrong with those arguments?
2: Yeah, so I like to investigate things at, at first principles. And so to 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 wonder why is inflation, why have we been told inflation uh 2%, 2% inflation is good for us? Because it's it's saying this, it's saying this losing money every year is good for you. Right. Or transferring a, a hidden tax by government to transfer your wealth from savers to spenders or to, to asset holders is good for you. And so that hidden theft in a monetary base, you kind of have to investigate that at first principles and ask why. Why is that? Why is that true and why do people believe it? Um, and it sets up what I talked about in, in the book. Technology technology is a driving force in all of our lives. We use it every day. Um, it drives our productivity up and labor costs down. Um, and, and by doing and by using it, what we're using right now can touch millions of people all over the world couldn't have seen this because we couldn't have done this 20 years ago, because of the cost would have been so high. So we use this technology all day long, it's, it's around us all day long, and, and it's being woven into every piece of society. So if that was the case, and it drives up productivity enhancement, and it's on our phones, and that's why we use our phones and all the apps, and it's it's driving all the costs to essentially free eventually, why are prices going up? And what you realize is you have two systems colliding against each other. One, a man-made system, is built on credit and that credit-based system must expand forever or collapse and when it collapses it creates all the credit is wiped out and if credit is underlying the entire system everything is wiped out so so why does that exist um it is probably and technology has always been deflationary and that deflationary has always been that deflation would be good for us and we we hear it's bad for us because we hear about the credit collapse the deflationary event where the credit can't be repaid and it has to the Great depression. Be an example of a deflationary event. And so we've now trust in governments that they can just keep on printing money and it does no harm. Right. And as they print money against the natural forces of prices coming down, you drive inflation in all things you need. All, 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 all of the things you need most go up.
1: Explain that, like unpack that a bit more. So why is it that like, yeah, for example, housing, healthcare, uh, you know now we're seeing even meat those things seem to get the the, the biggest brunt of the inflation whereas you know our, our Netflix subscription may go up a dollar or something over the course of
2: a few years so so housing ho- housing is a store of value against inflation so it rises and rents rise with it so so people are buying housing to be able to try to to transfer more wealth into that asset class from from people at the middle class and lower tiers of society, that inflation is wage deflation. It's the other side of the coin. So your 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 wages are going down in real terms, and so when you do that, and if somebody has a bunch of housing, then their rents go up to to to, to protect them. Right. So the asset holders and the stockholders and the, and the and the wealthy get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. The middle and cost them poor get their pockets picked at an ever increasing rate, and society breaks when there's an unfair game. But here's an easy way to look at it: If you went around the monopoly board and the bunch, of if you were early on the monopoly board and you got the right, all the properties, then eventually you win that game because when somebody's going around the board and collecting two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars isn't enough to get them around the game and, anymore. And what ends up happening in the monopoly board is the game's kicked; the board is kicked over. Right? and somebody gets so pissed off that they kick the game over, and, uh, or, um, or the game resets and you start a new game, everybody has a fresh chance. What would happen in that same Monopoly board if, if you had all the properties, and then around the Monopoly board people couldn't get around the board with $200 anymore, and the game couldn't reset, so the government said, we'll give you $300. The asset prices would just go up. You would get richer. right? <laughs> and then they wouldn't get around the board with $300, and they would go back to the government who's creating the problem and say, I need more money to get around the board. And they would uh, they would perpetuate that problem forever. And if, and, and if we go into the te- technical so- side of this, um, the reason we believe inflation is required for a productive society is because we, a hard money, like it, for instance, gold, there was a requirement for gold to gain velocity, to be able to transfer around the world at the rate of, of, uh, of economic growth to, to have a credit-based system on top of it that could move really quickly. And so what ended up happening through tons of cycles through, through history is gold would become a smaller and smaller part of the reserves. Um, and you'd build a bigger and bigger, bigger credit bubble on top of it, And then eventually you'd remove gold and you would just have a fiat currency. And, and, and it provided a human incentive to keep the credit machine going and that human incentive to to essentially because gold had to be centralized to do that created a created something where you needed inflation to keep the system going. Otherwise, the credit collapsed. and And when the credit collapsed, and and the credit collapse was all of money. Every single bank, every single institution sits on top of that credit bubble. It's destruction for society. So that's why people believe it's 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 required. But there there is nothing in physics that says we can't be productive without inflation. And, and what ended up happening with Bitcoin as a solve to that paradox is you can gain velocity of money, essentially unlimited velocity of money through technology. So I can beam money all over the place and it can come back and do 40 hops and come back to me in 10 minutes. And so you don't have, you don't have a need to develop a massive credit bubble and inflation on top of a new system based on technology. And it, that, that rewrites all the rules. Well, why do you think that, the people who, let's say, are, who consider themselves
1: to be, uh, you know, most concerned about helping the working class or the poor, or let's say, socialist types or Keynesian types, they seem to be the least worried, generally speaking, right? Fiscal conservatism is usually the ones who want to sort of cut back on spending, who want to, you know, constrain the money supply, and the polar opposite of those people are usually the ones who consider themselves socialists and they want to increase spending, increase printing. Aren't really concerned about the consequences of that. Uh, don't really think inflation is as big of, of a deal. Why? Why do you think that is? Because from what you're saying, well, what, from what's obviously the case, you know, the inflation obviously hurts the people who are most vulnerable in society,
2: socioeconomically, uh, because they don't have the assets to shield themselves from the inflation. I want to unpack a couple things you said there because because I think it's important for your listeners on both sides of the divide on the political aisle. To realize that there is nothing in the political system that can solve this structural problem from the system and 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 if republicans got elected and they won the house and they uh, and, and the works and they have full control there is actually no way that they don't print to right 100 right and, and, and so both sides both you were essentially we we believe we live in a free market and we believe we live in a democracy but 60 percent of taxes come through a hidden theft in money, both parties are, and so while that's, while that is in money itself, you don't actually have a vote in the most important thing in your life, and nobody does. Why do people fall for it? Because if, if you probably have more time to think about this, you're in a financial class that you can spend more time thinking about this. Some, some people don't, some people are, are, are working three jobs trying to keep up and their, their, their gas prices just went up by, uh, by 20% and their food prices just went up by 30%. And, 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 and if you're in that class, do you listen to what I'm saying about a structural problem or is it easier to believe it's those people's fault with all the money and, and the political, somebody in any political party that says, I'm going to solve it for you. And they blame a different political party and they're creating all that. And it's just easier to believe. That it's a person's fault instead of a structural problem, and so that and, and and so you so those people will vote for essentially more and more of this, which rips apart society, and you get you get these us versus them all through society, society because people think it's a people problem when it's a structural problem.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, my my question was more so about the, the leaders in, in charge of you know who profess to be about these. uh you know, uh,
2: to represent the interests of the poor and the working class. Like some of them have PhDs, right? Let's take let's take that, and, le- and 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 let's say some of them don't know what we're talking about. So um, so most of them don't know what we're talking about and have never investigated Bitcoin at the level that they would need to to understand it solves some solves some of the greatest issues that they care about at a at a, str- at a structural level level, and but because that takes their personal power away. So if you if you were if if you believe that you were put on earth to help all these poor people and they tell you, you're so great, go attack the rich people. Your entire, your entire feedback is feeding you misinformation and and, and and you get caught in a lie. Um, you get caught in an ego that I have to do this. I'm the savior. And I, you don't look, you typically don't look at the structural problem underneath it. Some of those people, because they, they could, and, and by the way, I think it's more of this kodak had a lot of great executives why aren't they a company anymore when they invented the digital camera um when when you're in a system and you've benefited from a system and you've you're and you're trying to protect a system same as blockbuster kodak thousands of his examples in business you can't see technology has changed the system and so what you do is you right. typically try to block technology in favor exist of the existing system and so that's why they do it there's a feedback from their constituents getting them elected to tell them to do it and so they they, uh, they get cheers and and um you're you're doing great work not knowing and they can and they don't know that they're picking the pocket of the same people that are they aim to serve
1: right yeah no it's, i mean it's it's funny cause we talk a lot about structural issues today, uh, structural racism and structural this, structural
2: that, but uh, you know, this, this is one of the biggest structures, <laughs> structural issues of all. Ashton, that, that point you just made, and I've said this on many podcasts, but all money is, is information. People don't actually want more money. They want more of what they think the money will buy them. And so with, if you manipulate that information as a byproduct, you must have misinformation everywhere in society. So when you're talking about these structural issues all over society, the, the 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 islands of people turning against each other and what we see in society, you can follow it all the way back to misinformation and money. Right, you corrupt the money supply, then everything else gets corrupted. Right, you you corrupt all price signals, you corrupt all of trust between people, because you're essentially saying somebody has a right to press a button and destroy your labor or your savings. You're you're saying that that's okay. And, and so, if those are the rules that society is built on, and if you're at the top of the game and you, you and you get to decide, you can then create an enormous wealth for yourself by understanding how the rules of society are built on. But that comes at a cost to society and to a whole bunch of other people.
1: Yeah, it really is true, and I think for people who doubt, it's true. The I think that putting it in the communist context kind of encapsulates it and elucidates it the most when you see, you know, how how, for example, country like Cuba, the shenanigans they play with the money over there obviously and, and the centralized planning that's involved in destroying their economic livelihoods and then that ripples throughout other aspects of society as well and you can see you can see a direct correlation between that and you know Morality
2: in society and and how people and interact they, with each yeah, other as well. Yeah, and communism and capitalism look exactly the same if money is manipulated mm-hmm. it will, because, about we, that, yeah. because we because we th- we think we have a vote in a democracy but we actually don't have a vote and the most important thing.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's a profound concept. Communism capitalism is the same if we don't have
2: to sell, sell, sell money, right? <laughs> so so think it's think about think through that narrative, which is true, what I just said, said, and then think about how governments will 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 send people to war to protect an ideologue that's just a that's that's not a truth. For freedom,
1: yeah, <laughs>
2: for for, uh, for freedom, for capitalism, right, for right. the free market, yeah. it is that is nowhere close to the truth. So, so, so when I said this is connected all the way back to so to, to sound money, it's connected to every other event.
1: Yeah, yeah, that reminds me, of, you know, what uh, a bit of what we saw in your home country of, you know, uh, with, with the, the trucker protests and stuff. It was like, shut up, we're doing this for democracy while they're <laughs> infringing on, on democratic rights. You, you, you saw the same thing, right? It's
2: always in, in the name of this ethereal virtue. Yeah, and you know from you know from my book, uh, Ashton, because uh, what, what why I wrote the book is because uh, I could see this happening. I could see this happening at a rate that was increasing because technology is moving faster and faster. So you had to, if you predicted what had to happen with monetary easing, to, be, to offset that technology giving us abundance or broad based abundance, you realized you had to capture more and more of the economic value in the state by printing money and transferring wealth from the middle class and poor to the rich. And, and as it, it so it had to be exponential, it had to, as one path was because there were competing forces, as one path was driving, trying to drive prices down. If prices fell, then the entire ca- credit uh, cascade would collapse everything. So from the system, you couldn't fix it. So I realized that if you follow that trend, you could you could forecast the exponential amount of money printing that had to come, and all of the next order events that would come from that money printing. You could see it really clearly what would ha- what would happen, and that's why. Uh, and I think that's why that's why it became a bestseller. That's why it's traveled all over the world because for people that have read it and under- understand what's happening, they're. They're living in a different environment. They're actually, and, and what happens is Bitcoin provides a transmission mechanism from one system to another because the system can't save itself. And so so the people that understand what I just said are seeing hope, abundance, better future in, in Bitcoin terms, the prices of everything fall every year.
1: Before we get to the Bitcoin thing, because obviously I, I agree with that point, but you know, com- coming from somebody who follows politics, I, I think it's going to be a messy road between the consequences of of our system and then trying to then gravitate towards bitcoin as as the lifeline so to talk about that for a bit let, let's let's assume that in in the western societies and and many of the other societies they don't figure out that bitcoin can solve some of these problems right so so this cycle continues um how how, how does that how does that
2: play out if, if we continue in the current trajectory I want to be uh, I want to be careful here because this is going to sound uh, alarmist, um, and it's more more thinking in first principles. I think uh, I think if we continue on this path and Bitcoin doesn't succeed now, um, or, and even along that path at some point, there's a very real risk that we destroy ourselves. We've never had we've never had the technology and nuclear weapons and and type of technology that we have today to start a war that can't stop that, uh, that we, we essentially destroy it, destroy ourselves. And that's a very real risk. It's a, it, it's a non-zero probability. Right. Um, and that probability is, is actually getting higher as you back people into corners and they have to advance, um, weapons to be a counter deterrent to, uh, to, um, to what's happening all from the destruction of money. So the economic
1: situation gets worse. Why,
2: so why will the economic situation invariably get worse under our current system? Because the calculus of economic value comes from the division of labor all over the world. And, the, and so two things, two, two things inside. Uh, so if you have division of labor all over the world, so I can be an entrepreneur, you can be a dentist, somebody else can be a metal worker. All the, We used to have to be in a small tribe where we would do everything, as we expanded out and did trade all around the world it required trust and that trust of a currency is at the fabric of all of those divisional labors so that's how that's one thing and so when you remove that trust whether it's a one country saying um your money is no good here but that other country like russia um is a huge producer of oil and natural gas and energy right yeah. then how do you, you're, you're, you're you can't cut them off from the society and and take their energy um and all of this is a trade it's just a trade and it's based on trust all over the world and so if you break that trust all over the world then then and you have to keep breaking that trust over the uh, world from the structure then what ends up happening is politicians to enable that have to create a different narrative that it's it's those bad people that we're going to invade to be able to bring freedom it's all of those people. And so when we've, we we fall into that trap where people in despair fall into that trap and we believe those narratives. They're simple narratives to, to, to believe. It's easier to believe a person problem or a country problem than it is. We don't look at the negative externality. Here's a negative externality. It's a really simple negative externality of the US dominant global currency. US can print energy for free. Every other country has to pay for energy. To be able to do that, they needed a war machine to be able to protect shipping lanes, to be able to go to Saudi Arabia and say, here's the oil, here's how we're going to price energy in US dollars. And everybody has to play on this SWIFT system globally. And if you don't want to play on the system, we're going to exclude you from financial cooperation of the world, Venezuela, Iran. And, And so as you do that, you develop more and more adversaries. And even your partners in that deal start to realize as China gets stronger, they start to trade allegiances. And, and go to, to where they can make the most short-term money. And, and, and again, it's all based on trust at the bottom of this. So so that that system can't be fixed from the system. Um, the, 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 that system typically requires a world war to fix the system. And then it starts again, and it has been history started again on a new hard money with the promise not to do it again. Bretton Woods, um, after World War II, was that promise. Which U.S. broke in 1971, when when they couldn't pay their bills and they went off the gold reserve, right? Um, and 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 through an elegant capture, and because they were the really the only superpower at the time, through an elegant capture of a of an oil-based market energy, and the U.S. dollar, they were able to extend and expand dominance for another another 50 years, all based on that system, and that system's breaking down today.
1: So and it's all the fiat currencies. Essentially, another way of looking at it is all the fiat currencies are heading towards zero or going to get more and more devalued.
2: Yeah, and the U.S. will be the last one. U.S. could get stronger before that happens, but, it, but all all fiat currencies will, will fail.
1: And United and the U.S. dollar will look relatively much stronger for for quite some time as as the weaker ones are, go down one by one. Yeah, and that's that's how you get the
2: global conflict. Yeah, that's some of the things you are talking about. Exactly. And you can see, you can see this playing out something I've said lots of times, which snowflake causes the avalanche.
0: Mm, Right.
2: If you think about the news cycles and the, and and, and what's happening, it's getting the higher and higher variability and you almost, if you just transfer yourself back 10 or 20 years ago, and if you came to today, you wouldn't believe the world is looking like this Mm -hmm. on every single issue, but you get brainwashed into that issue and you're reading the news and you're reading the news and you get sucked into the news. Without seeing the big picture of everything that's happening, and so that you, your first question on what's going to happen in these in these systems is the existing one is going to get going to get a lot worse, and it is going to make us want to go to war with it, each other, um, and, and 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 a lot of us will buy into that narrative, and 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 hopefully enough people understand Bitcoin um, and start to object from that narrative, and start to build a path to to. Truth, hope, abundance. How, so, so let's let's talk about that then. So how does how does Bitcoin
1: offer us a escape valve from these these calamitous consequences? And how does it need to be implemented with within society? Does it need to be recognized as a as a de facto currency in all over the world? Does it need to be like a the new global reserve status?
2: How does that look like? G- game theory will take us there because it, it provides an incentive for some countries to go early. Um, Here's a way to look through technology that lens applied to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin would look a lot like the internet itself, decentralized open protocol that you could build on top of. And there's nothing that can stop it. It's going to keep, keep on going. And so it's like being able to invest in the internet itself. So let's take the internet as an example. If you wind yourself back 30 years, was it all the big companies at the time that understood the internet? Or was it the new entrepreneurs was it the bottom up approach to the internet that said, I can solve people's problems in a totally different way. The Googles, the Amazon, the iPhone, the, uh, the, the, all of the different things that came on top of, of the internet were entrepreneurs solving it in a different way. And if you look at the top companies in the world today, they're all internet companies based on top of that open decentralized uh, uh, protocol. That's what's happening today, today. And it's, so it's a bottoms up movement instead of a top down. We we tend to give the existing incumbent, political machine, state, all the government is, is a collection of our ideas. They make just as many mistakes and everything else. But we think about these, all Kodak was, was a collection of people driving in a certain direction. And what ends up happening is as the structure of the system drives them in one area. They can't see the massive improvement to society that comes through something that cha- changes their power structure, so they try to block it but it can't stop it because because it's us we build on top of it so i just started a i just started a, a venture capital company to only invest in, in the in bitcoin ecosystem why because how much return you people are going to make there and, and how the entrepreneurs that are going to build the future it's all going to be on top of that infrastructure what does the bitcoin ecosystem look
1: like what's what's going on you know with through bitcoin
2: so bitcoin you could solve for um, security decentralization, um, and scalability on a, on, on a triangle. Bitcoin's, but you can't have all three kind of in a layer pro- protocol. So Bitcoin solved for decentralization and, sec- and security, um, um, and they sacrificed scalability on layer one, because you have to sacrifice some A whole bunch of competing blockchains, sacrificed security or, de- or, uh, or decentralization and went for scalability. And, and that scalability, so you hear Ethereum and a, and a system building on top of it, but that system, because the base structure has to be more and more centralized over time, or or, or some competing chains less secure over time. It's just a structure of the of, of it itself. So what that means is, is I can see the economic value, the short-term economic value in entrepreneurs building on some of those other coins, but they all go to zero eventually, because today what's happened through the Lightning Network layer 2 solutions and layer three solutions, an entire ecosystem that's going to be built on top of Bitcoin, is you apply the scaling solutions on top of a protocol that's constant, that's forever decentralized and secure. And now that the scaling solutions are now through Taproot, through Tarot, that is just coming out, now that scaling solutions can be built on top of a, of, of a protocol that can't change, the entrepreneurial talent is going to race in on top of the main protocol. And it's going to be—it's going to look like it's going to look like a resurgence of what, what happened in the '90s and early 2000s around the internet. So, be,
1: because the things that Bitcoin does right, it does so well, such as such as the security, and obviously it's its finite supply, and obviously the fact that no one can control it. Those fundamental aspects—the fact that that other chains can move around at way faster speeds—and that. You know, people will say, well, Ethereum has all these different applications being built on that. That's a that's a far more limiting strength than Bitcoin's core strengths, but then Bitcoin can also, given enough time with, with some of these, these layer two solutions, be able to replicate what
2: Ethereum has. A little different than you say, not different strengths. Okay. The strength that Ethereum has makes it have to be centralized. And so effectively all the entrepreneurs that are building on top of it, that are building on quicksand. Because the rules have to be changed, they will be changed. So, it, so you have to trust in the governing body for your entire business that they won't change the rules, and they will change the rules. They have to. Why would they have to? Because because the structure of the centralization, some people win, some people don't. It looks like the it looks like our, our fiat system today. The rule the rules have to change over time. So the trade offs in those things. So 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 the the elegant design of Bitcoin allows the primary layer. To be security centralized and the scaling solutions built on top of it similar to the internet remember when it didn't allow video conferencing right right that's a layer on top of, of, of an open protocol and it's a technology layer the, 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 the and 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 as it scaled made it easier and easier to do more things that's what's happening in bitcoin and you think that's the way it will play itself out
1: in terms of being able to offer solutions for large amounts of people is, is essentially by an organic movement, more and more people joining it, more and more companies maybe having more reserves in it, and then eventually it'll, it'll sort of achieve a de facto uh, monetary status. Doesn't really,
2: you know, and the government will follow suit afterwards. So if you think about how fast lightning and scaling is a peer-to-peer money right now, and remember five years ago, you couldn't. People talked about Bitcoin only as as an asset and not as money. Think about how many people are using it in El Salvador, I was just there as money. Think about, I, I, I'm transferring money right now from a, a lightning wallet to other people around the world. And it's so simple and it doesn't go through a existing infrastructure and the cost is nothing. So it becomes easier and easier to use. So today, and, and this is why the internet example is so, uh, is so important. We tend to, to not understand technology moves into the background and the products that make it easier for us to access that technology move into the foreground. So what's ha- what's what's happening is, Bitcoin's hard for a lot of people. They don't want to do the work to understand how it changes everything. And similarly, they probably wouldn't have done the wanted the work how it, uh, uh, TCP/IP right. would change everything else. And when they first looked at TCPIP, that that experiment of moving information from this university, to this, uh, what good is that? But as entrepreneurs start to build on top of that and make the UI the UX better. And all the solutions come on top of it we engage through the technology through products to make our lives better that's it. we're just at the start of that wave on top of it
1: invariably then bitcoin just gets more and more of the the fiat money supplies more people say you know i'm not going to have a bank there's no need for me to keep you know 80 percent of my money in
2: cash or whatever cash and cash like assets uh let me just put it in here because you're doing that based on trust and and you're in that trust at Fifteen percent inflation rate. Like, why are you, why are you trusting it, your money in cash when you know the cash has to be devalued? It makes it's kind of illogical. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: interesting to see the, the El Salvador example play out. I think another sort of mid-sized country is probably going to be next. Uh, maybe another country in the Caribbean.
2: Yeah, and it does. It, it almost doesn't matter where and how this looks. It's going to be, and there are going to be some failures of companies in the space and and, and such as well. Just like there was an in the internet boom in the in the nineteen nineties, but every experiment makes it stronger and stronger. And every experiment on, on top of it, uh, makes it stronger and stronger as more and more people understand it's important, and more and more people, even, even if you just looked at yourself, I'll bet you five years ago, you didn't donate or understand its importance. And now you're telling people why it's important. Um, and, and so, and, and so that infection, that idea virus, that is spreading as more and more people start to engage it and understand how important it is is pretty hard, I'd say impossible to stop. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, my self example, five years ago is when I first started buying it, I believe. And yeah, I think it was 20, well, it was actually right after the, it was right after the great crash, right? So like it went up to that 17,000, 18,000 dollar threshold, then when it went back down to about the three to four range, uh, right. I started to like read into it. And then later on, I bought
2: it maybe like a year after that. But I, yeah, I didn't understand the full philosophical components behind it. I just thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, and that's what ends up happening. And as you start to understand it at a deeper and deeper level, you, you, once you, once you understand that, you look at your, you look at people that were exactly like your former self and you wonder, how can't they get this? Right. And it's just how we learn the, the same reason why most of the monopolies before, before the internet don't exist today because new people took that, took that because they were open to the learning.
1: You, you bring up some very, plausible alarm bells as we discussed obviously we're also in an era where the chinese communist party is is a very strong powerful force and there is a totalitarian wave as well that's certainly existing in society today that's still strong and china has sort of perfected that weird balance of being a tech superpower and combining it with authoritarianship and that's that obviously that's going to expand to other places as well. Meanwhile, you have Bitcoin, which is the antidote
2: to that, as well as our own our own failings as a society. So, so, so it's important to because that that sounds awfully scary, and it sounds um, it's important to investigate what you just said at a deeper level. So, how did that happen? China had cheap labor. Um, they pegged the currency to U.S. currency, so current, the U.S. currency had uh, essentially high cost labor, right, and high 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 spending. Buyers, purchasers, China had manufacturing and developed their manufacturing capability because of a balance of trade by pegging their labor rate low against a high labor rate. And so, and what they did to keep interest rates low is a flow of funds back to U.S. and U.S. Treasuries. Because if they didn't do that, if they didn't essentially do vendor financing, the uh, then interest rates would have exploded in U.S. and U.S. would have it would have collapsed. But if US collapsed, China would have collapsed because it's just two sides of the same 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 coin. So so in that, there's never been a country that's that's grown debt GDP faster than China. That's the known debt. Forget all the black pools and everything else. So most of China's miracle is a result of a, of a binge of unrepayable debt. But let's just carry this on for a second. And then in 2015, China realized that the US couldn't pay back their bills. They wouldn't pay back their bills, so they stopped buying treasuries and they started investing in Belton Road, other countries, at rare earth minerals, things needed for the technology exposure. Because they wanted to protect their their money, so they used the U.S.'s currency against the U.S. by continuing to take their labor rate low, and hollowing out the U.S. to build their uh, their dominance. Dominance, and and they're just as at risk in a free they're more at risk in a free market. So if a, a free market removes the control out of their territorial control so people think their dominance is their dominance is gained from you know, kind of a manipulation of money as well and that and that and that and that gain and and now if you went to a free market which which bitcoin is going to enable all over the world then then what does china do to, to stop that Mm-hmm. what can they do what can they do they can't do anything and, and so if you keep on this system you get geopolitical adversaries that have to go to war to be able to to fight you have a shelling point based on um, global competition in the game theory if you people look up shelling point and if you move to bitcoin you have a shelling point that moves to global cooperation what do you think about by the end of the decade what bitcoin
1: adoption will look like in terms of ballpark numbers of people using it, or people at least using it as a savings vehicle? Because you, you can map it out through the, the tracking of the internet, and obviously Bitcoin's going at a faster rate than in the
2: internet, so how, how do you see that going by 2030? I see this the, the, the same, uh, but the, for the next uh, for the, the next billions of people, it'll be done through products that make their lives better, and economic value that makes their lives better. So what's happening today is what people use Lightning to pay for things. Um, it's because they're saving money, and, and companies are going to in, in, in implement it because it saves 25 uh, or 3% credit card fees. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. And so how do you stop that? The economic value to use it is so great that people are going to use it, and that's going to bring more and more people in. So it's, it's going to be
1: through convenience rather than through trying to win people off right. philosophically right. first. Because it's like, I don't have to
2: use Western Union anymore, and then they can start to understand the, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about. That's that's why I say we that's what so the Palm Pilot was virtually the same thing as, as the iPhone ten years before, but it was useless. Nobody used it, and then technology made it easier to, to to use. And there was no instruction manual with the iPhone. It just was elegant, simple design, and everybody used it. And when they and remember. And that's actually how the free market works too. We can't see these things that change our minds instantly, and we would never predict how we would change before. Because when the iPhone came in, I still remember having a Blackberry and saying, "No way, I'm using that Mm -hmm. toy. I need my buttons on my phone."
1: Yeah, yeah, me too.
2: Yeah, I love the buttons. And (laughs) then we all, yeah, and I love the buttons. And then, and then, and then something gave us more value that we couldn't see five days before, and we changed. And and then we and then we thought. Why do we ever use a thing with buttons? So if that's the free market force that we can't see coming, and then we change our minds in an instant, I would guarantee you, you can't see what's about to happen on Bitcoin on all the different creative ideas that are coming and all the products that are going to make your life better for that very same same reason. And it's those products, it's those interactions with technology that bring on the billions.
1: That's a hopeful note to end on. Then
2: <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> brings hope
1: jeff booth thank you so much it was, a, it was a real pleasure uh to chat with you and finally meet you and where can people find more about you and, and keep up with your work uh I, I, the best
2: is just on twitter uh jeff booth on twitter and the name of the book again is it the price of tomorrow why deflation is key to an abundant future excellent well
1: jeff thanks so much for being on It's a real pleasure man and uh, best luck with everything and, and i will be following everything you do for sure so <laughs> thanks ashton if you enjoyed our show please click subscribe to stay up to date with our YouTube channel and podcast, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can keep delivering guys
0: some great content. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week.